Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Well, we're going to have a good time this morning. Did you come to worship the Lord today? Right? Do you, do you want your heart lifted closer to Jesus? You know, I want to tell you today that this message I'm going to share with you today, uh, I'm preaching to myself. So, so if you want to also enjoy and hear the word as I preach to CJ and CJ comes to repentance, amen, uh, I encourage you to do the same as well. And so if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. But we're going to pray. We're going to talk to the Lord. We're going to ask him to be the one to speak to us today, all right? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, here we are again. We pause in this moment to acknowledge you, Lord, to worship you, to continue the worship. Lord, I thank you so much for our young people that are away right now. I thank you, Lord, for those that are gathered here today to worship Jesus. I thank you so much for our our music brought to us by Nikki. Thank you so much, Lord, that you remind us again. We need, to, we need to be reminded of this over and over and over again. You are mighty to save. May we trust in the salvation that we'll find out today again that we have already received through Jesus Christ. May it be our experience by faith today. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen and amen. I'm just happy to be in Vienna this morning. Amen. God is good. You know, those of you that are getting to know Pastor CJ and getting to know my family, and you've probably seen this cute, cute little bundle of joy walking around, you know, wobbling as he goes, but but getting better and better every day, my son Thomas, right? So you've probably seen him, and he just is so cute and so nice, right? Very observant. He's probably just giving you the, the eye or the side eye. Hopefully not. But, you know, you're just, you, just, you just see him and you just want to pinch his cheeks, right? I want you to see my son when he hasn't eaten, when he's tired, right? He can be really irritable, right? And all the parents are nodding their head like this, right? Yeah. And when I look at him, I go, you know what, that reminds me a little bit of myself. You need to see me when I have not eaten, right? When, when, when I am tired and I'm sleepy and I am just in need. I haven't spent enough time with the Lord. Yeah, you, you, you don't want, I, I may seem like Pastor CJ is such a nice guy, right? Yeah, well, try seeing me when I'm tired, sleepy, and hungry. It's a different CJ, right? But here's the thing. You know, whenever we find ourselves in spiritual need, physical need, emotional need, or mental need, we find ourselves very vulnerable to temptation. Am I the only sinner saved by grace that that has experienced that? Right? Yeah, I see some hands. That's all right. We can be bold. Yeah, I know what it's like, and so that's why I say I'm preaching to myself this morning. I know what it's like to be in a predicament where you are vulnerable. 
where you are susceptible to suggestion. And this is the exact type of condition the enemy was counting on with Jesus when he left the Jordan. You see, Jesus had just been baptized in Matthew chapter 3. He had just been baptized, not because he had sinned, but because he was coming to give us an example. He is the new humanity. He's doing it on behalf of us to fulfill all righteousness, as he said. But he's also being baptized because once he came up out of the water, you remember what happened? The Holy Spirit came down as a dove and anointed him as Messiah. That's what Messiah and Christ in Greek means. It means the anointed one or the anointed king of Israel. And so he comes now as the Messiah, and he is led, did you see it there, Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 2? He is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's, he's someone that's reading that, if you're like me, must, there's got to be at least a question going in your mind. The Holy Spirit, God, you, you led Jesus into the wilderness where we, where we discover he is tempted for 40 days and 40 nights while fasting and praying? The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, and he was tempted. And so what, what's going on here? Is, is Jesus being set up for some kind of failure? Is that what's going on here? Well, for us to understand what's going on, we need to go all the way back to the beginning of the story in Scripture, all the way back to Genesis. And we need to go back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Because there they are in a perfect environment, full of love. Everybody, all, all humanity, all creation rather, is living in other-centered bliss and beauty. But the rebellion brought about by the devil in the form of a serpent comes and he brings that rebellion to planet Earth and humanity falls into sin and then enters evil and suffering, you know, watching what's going on overseas right now. And I realize that this is just the result of a sinful planet. And here is Adam and Eve, representative of all humanity, and they have now just forfeited the dominion. Everybody say dominion. The dominion that God gave them, if you read in Genesis chapter 1. And here lies a hint to what God actually did with humanity who he made in his, in his image. God is the ruler of all creation, amen? He is the ruler of heaven and earth. But he is so generous with his leadership that as vicegerents to Jesus, as, vice, as vicegerents to the Lord, he gave humanity dominion. We were given rulership over this planet. But here it is. When we fell to Satan, we gave it to him. Therefore, the Bible says that Satan claims illegally, right? He claims to be the ruler of this planet. He laid claim to this planet as his kingdom. But God being the faithful husband that he is, God being the, 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 the God of covenant love and relationship enters into a covenant with humanity there in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. And he gives a promise. He says, I will put enmity between the woman and, and the serpent. 
And I will send through her lineage, I will send through her descendants, the C, that is capital S, the Messiah, who would come and crush the head of the serpent and conquer evil and claim victory on behalf of the, uh, of the human race. The story continues on. And you get now to Abraham. And guess what? The same promise is now being enlarged to Abraham. God being faithful to his word, he now enlarges it when he gets to Abraham and he says to Abraham, in your seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. This comes on the heel of the Tower of Babel where all the nations were scattered. God is still passionate about humanity and he wants to bless humanity through, with redemption through again Messiah. Through the seed of Abraham, not to make them an elitist group, but through them bring everybody else in. And so God's heart is for humanity. And so as you look now a little bit further down, the descendants of Abraham, like many of us, struggled with maintaining covenant faithfulness to God. And we see this especially as they're there wandering in the wilderness, right? For 40 years. And because Matthew is writing primarily to a Jewish Christian audience, Jews that have received Jesus Christ as Messiah, he knows that they have this, this Old Testament writings on loop in their minds. And so he wants them to be aware of this type of background in the Old Testament as they're now reading about the experience of Jesus in the wilderness. Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 2. He particularly wants them to have Deuteronomy 8, verse 2 in their mind. As we are talking about Jesus in the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 2. Nod your head as I read if this sounds familiar to what you see there in Matthew chapter 4. Beginning in verse 2, and you shall remember the Lord your God. The Lord your God led you, he led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Is this sounding familiar to you? He led you all the way in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you manna. Let's pause right there. Matthew wants you to have that text, that storyline in your mind as you read what's happening there to Jesus. Why? Oh, Lord, Lord, help me today. Because he wants you to understand his proposal to you, the reader of Matthew, is that Jesus is the new Adam. Jesus where Adam fell, Adam fell in a garden. He's going to gain victory now in a wilderness at a disadvantage. Jesus is the new Moses who went up in the mountain and spent time with God 40 days and 40 nights. Amen? He is the new Israel. Israel failed there in the wilderness 40 years wandering. Here's the good news, family. Where Adam and Israel 
and humanity, that's us. Where we have fallen, Jesus' first work as Messiah is to go and gain victory on the same grounds where we have fallen. Can somebody say amen? Yes. Jesus is announcing as Messiah, as the anointed one, I'm going into the wilderness where you've fallen, I'm gaining victory on your behalf. And we're going to see this play out through this story. You see, the children of Israel, their failures was just a small picture of the larger macro failure of humanity to maintain faithfulness to God. Is that not your story? Jesus wants to let you know that being victorious in him is modeled in his life for you. Right? Jesus is letting you know, if you want to live victorious, our message today is entitled Victorious in Christ, Victorious in Jesus. If you want to live victoriously in him over temptation, he gives you three powerful principles right there in Matthew chapter 4. And so let's continue. Matthew chapter 4, beginning, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. 40 days, 40 nights. He's there in the wilderness. He is now hungry. He's been fasting and praying. And verse 3 begins, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. At surface reading, that doesn't seem like a major temptation for, for the one that you are now antagonistic against, right? Just, just do a little magic trick. Turn this into some bread. Let's continue with verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here is Jesus, hungry, tired. Is anyone tired this morning? Vulnerable. Apparently weak. And this is where the devil plans his attack. Isn't that what it looks like in your life? When you are weak and you're tired and you're frustrated and you've given all that you can give, that is when the enemy comes to you. That is when he comes to me. And here is Jesus. Apparently weak. He knows he has gained victory over all of us under the same conditions. And so he sees Jesus in human flesh. He says, I'm going to get him the same way I've gotten CJ. The same way I've gotten everybody else, I'm going to get him. But watch this. He begins at the place where the first Adam failed. The first Adam failed at appetite. The second Adam is about to gain victory over appetite. Yeah. Remember, wherever we find ourselves with a sincere, legitimate need, am I, right? He was hungry. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that's where the enemy tries to come and suggest temptation to us. But here's the good news this morning. Are you ready for some good news? The good news is this. You can live victoriously in Jesus Christ. Right? And here's how you can do it. You can live victorious over temptation if you know 
who you are in Jesus Christ and you are daily dependent on his word. You see, the enemy's strategy was to get Jesus to doubt who he is in relation to the Father and the word that was spoken to him at the Jordan River. Can you hear it? It was in his ears for 40 days. The words coming from his father directly, publicly. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In that one little phrase is wrapped up the character of God. You are my beloved son. I love you. He hasn't done a single miracle that's recorded. Before you do any work, I want you to understand, I love you. And I'm pleased with you. That applies to us. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, I love you. And I am pleased with you. Wrapped up in the word of God was, was his identity to the Father. You are my beloved son. And I love you. That's who you are. So the enemy is now, after 40 days, he's weak. Let me see, let me get him just to doubt the word of the Lord. The word of his Father. You know, I want to tell you that, again, Pastor CJ is on the journey with you. Amen? <laughs> so you need to see me on a day where I have not spent time with the Lord. You know, as pastors, we just assume that we are just, we're just floating on cloud nine all the time. You know, we're walking with the Lord. We work with him every single day. We see his miracles every single day. And so we are just so high above the rest. Oh, but I want you to talk to my wife some days, and she'll tell you, if this man has not spent time with Jesus, yeah, you know, she'll tell you, she'll say this, I want you to have your devotion, CJ, for selfish reasons. Because when you are in Christ, right, Paul used that term in Christ, he means in relationship to Jesus Christ. The relationship is based on communication, prayer and the word. God speaking to you through the word, you talking to him through prayer. When you are in Christ, you're in daily relationship with him, you're dependent upon him, right? Yeah, that's CJ when I like to be around you, that we can hang then. But when you have not spent time, have you ever done that rushed thing in the morning? You're busy, you're tired, I gotta go. And maybe you, you, you try and spend some time with the Lord. Maybe you kind of listen to the word, hopefully, at some point. You try and sneak in a text or two while your hand's on the doorknob. It wasn't a quality experience. Can we be honest this morning in the house of the Lord? You're susceptible, family. I am susceptible to the suggestions and the temptations of the enemy when you have not spent time with the Lord. It's to the point where I've I, I, I got to be honest with you. I am not in a good place if I have not spent time with the Lord. I am more likely to be irritable. I'm more likely to be less patient. I'm more likely to be petty. When I haven't spent quality time with Jesus, this is why I recommend that we spend time with him at the beginning of our day. This is what Jesus did. Sometimes even before the sun got up, he was there with his father communing. It doesn't have to be a certain prescribed amount of time. But have quality time with the Lord. Yes? And so here is Jesus. Looking apparently in a position of defeat. Right? And Satan tries to get him to doubt. 
Just, just if, did you hear that if? It, it just, it was ringing with sarcasm. If you are the Son of God. Here lies the basis of all three temptations. Doubt who the Father has already declared you to believe. Do you believe that you are a child of God? That you are heir to the, to the, to the throne of God? That when this whole thing comes to a conclusion, you will rule and reign with God. That is who you are. My son, love him to death. He's trying to come to me right now every time I preach. Okay? My son, I would do anything for him. Your heavenly father would do anything for you that's in your best interest. That's who you are. And he wants him to doubt who he is. If you are the Son of God, I want you to act, and here's the temptation, independently from the Father. Someone has defined sin as having a legitimate need and wanting to meet it in an illegitimate way. Was he not hungry? Could he not have himself turned that bread, that, that stone, into bread? Yes, but by doing that, he's acting independently of the Father. You see, he's, remember in, in Philippians 2, he laid aside his divinity. So he's now depending on the Father the way we need to depend on him. The miracles, all that stuff that's happening is happening because he's dependent daily on the Father. His plan, his will. Just act. Just do something. It seems like just turn some stone into bread. No, act independently. You have a legitimate need? Meet it yourself. Your own way. It could be something good. Just do it separate from Jesus. He wants to get you to doubt who God says he is. Doubt the word of God. God is love. 1 John 4, 8. That's not milk. That is the milk and the meat of the word of God. It's revealed in Jesus Christ. As you get deeper in scripture, that becomes more profound. That's why Paul says the height, depth, width of the love of God. Doubt his character. That's why every day when I spend time with the Lord, I'm particularly looking for how the God's character of love is coming through in the text. His love, his grace, his mercy, all of that is a reflection of his character. His judgment is a reflection of his character of love. His anger is a reflection of a husband that is hurt. Doubt the character of God. He said, this is my beloved son. I want you to doubt that. I want you to doubt that God loves you when you make a mistake. Doubt that. Why? Because then you will stay in your sin. You will continue to act independently from him who you think is ready to strike you. Oh, but when we live a life that is dependent on the word. Did you hear what he said? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every day you eat, eat physically, eat spiritually. Try going a couple weeks without any food. You will starve. You could die. Well, God wants to teach us a broader lesson through that. Every day you eat some physical food, eat some spiritual food. Saturate your mind with the word of God, with the focus on the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. That's the theme that permeates all of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. This is not something super spiritual. This is Christianity, R relationship with Jesus 101. Just spend time with him, get to know him, fall in love with him. 
The Bible says in Psalms 119.11, Thy word I have hidden in my heart, that I may not what? Sin against thee. Is the main focus, I'm just going to try really hard not to sin? No. That's the byproduct of being in the relationship, being in his word every day, every day, and you're dependent on it, and then you're like, why do I want that? I've got Jesus. Now your pastor is with you. We're on the journey together, amen? Yeah, yeah, so have I always been perfect in this area? Oh, no. It's a journey, family. Fall in love with him. Depend on his word, and we, by God's grace, can be victorious. Can somebody say amen? Ah, but the devil says, oh, you're standing solidly on the word. I get it. Okay, I know the word too. Come with me to verse 5. Verse 5. The Bible says, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if, here it is again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall, it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. The devil is in essence saying here, you're saying it is written. I can say it is written too. You know scripture. I know scripture too. I lived this thing. So let me tell you how it goes. Here's what the word says. He quotes Psalm 91. I know some Bible. That's nice that you come to church and you can quote scripture. I know the Bible too. And he, he, Jesus, Jesus does not debate. Did you notice with the devil? Doesn't get into a debate. He says, it is written again. His only defense is the word of God. And here's what the devil's after. Presumptuously place yourself in a compromised situation where you presume on the grace of God to deliver you. And here's how He wants to encourage us and challenge us today to live victoriously in Jesus Christ. Do not place yourself in a presumptuously compromised situation, presuming on the grace of God. Right? There was a time in undergrad when I was not, I was the biggest hypocrite. It's my testimony. The, 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 I, I was serving in campus ministry. I, I, I was studying business at Florida International University. But I was going places that no Christian should go to. And thank the Lord Jesus that he delivered me from that. Amen. But, you're, but you wouldn't find me going back to those places with tracks. You wouldn't find me putting myself in those places where I know I'm weak. You wouldn't find me going there saying, you should get to know Jesus. You really should. You're not going to find me doing that. It's like someone that's a former alcoholic trying to start a ministry in a bar. Right? Don't put yourself in places where you know by the flesh you're going to fall. Don't put yourself in predicaments that will compromise your ability to stand as a witness for Jesus Christ. Don't do it. Don't presume. Don't, you know, some of us sometimes we say, you know what, just, just do it and God will forgive you later. 
That, that's presuming on the grace of God. You see, what, 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 what he's saying here is, I'm taking this text out of context. I'm going to misquote this text so that you can claim the promise of God's protection while you act independently from him and throw yourself down off of, this, uh, off of the temple. God will save you. You're his son, right? He'll take care of you. Oh, I thank God that he's a God of grace. How many times have we fallen in this area? I want to tell you that not everyone that is quoting Scripture is of God. Not everyone in your life that knows some Bible is representing Jesus Christ. That's unfortunate because when the world looks at people that quote Scripture and call themselves Christians, they say, that's what God is like. And so we need to stack even those that know Scripture against the Word itself. Amen? Against Jesus. But especially if it's someone that knows the Word, but, is, but is, is, is suggesting to you to do something contrary to the Word of God. Or is suggesting you, watch this, to even do something that's good, but separate from God's will for your life. Acting in your own strength. Right? Even those things that are good are sometimes not the right thing to do at the right moment. Amen? I love this quote from one of my favorite authors, Morris Venden. says this. Morris Venden says in his book, 95 Theses on Righteousness by Faith. I highly recommend that book. He says this. All the temptations that the devil came up with to turn Jesus from his mission had one common denominator. Everyone was designed to get Jesus to stop depending upon his father's power and use the power which he was born. He was tempted to do right things, but to do them in his own power, and we are tempted with the same thing. Do it in your own strength, in your own time. Oh, yeah, the devil loves it when we come to church. Oh, yeah, go to church. But do this thing separate from God. Legitimate need, but wanting to do it in an illegitimate way. This is where we sometimes struggle. This is where we need discernment. This is where we need to be, again, dependent on Jesus. Satan knows. He's quoting scripture again. And he says, I've got to change my strategy. Oh, I can't get Vienna to, to, to act independently from the Lord. I can't get them to doubt God's character, to doubt his word. They're in the word. I can't get them to act presumptuously. So let me give one more. Come with me to verse 8. Verse 8. Again, he's relentless, isn't he? Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the what? Well, somebody say it loud to me. He showed him all the what? Kingdoms. Keep that word locked in your mind. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, 
and him only you shall serve. Jesus is simply quoting Deuteronomy. He's quoting scripture is your, is your ammunition. It is your weapon. But here's the subtlety of this final temptation, according to Matthew. See, notice he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Do you remember what it was that Adam and Eve forfeited when they fell into temptation? They gave up dominion of the earth. Help me, Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he comes, filled with the Holy Spirit, and enters into the wilderness, he is coming as the anointed one. He is the Messiah Christ. That means the anointed what? King. He has come as a direct challenge to the devil. I am reclaiming this planet as my kingdom. The kingdom of God. When he preached, what was the first thing he said? The kingdom of God is what? Is at hand, is here. Right? The reign of God in Jesus Christ is now being established on the earth. Satan, you're no longer the head of this planet. And so here's what Satan is doing. He's saying, okay, I get it. You're Messiah. You're coming here to establish your kingdom. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Pay attention, family. I'm going to give you a shortcut to establishing your kingdom. I'm going to allow you to have the kingdoms of this world. You can have the dominion of it. You can have it. I'll give it to you. See, he's making that claim because he feels he is the, because Adam and Eve sinned, he is the ruler of this planet. I'll give it to you, Jesus. I will give you the, the ability to establish your kingdom without the cross. See, he wants him to deviate from the plan of salvation. Because he knows if Jesus goes to that cross, he secures the salvation of humanity as the second Adam. You see, Jesus was going to establish his kingdom not by force of arms. He was going to establish his kingdom by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus was coming to establish the kingdom by self-sacrifice. The greatest revelation of the love of God is at the cross. So establish your kingdom, Jesus, without the cross. I'll give you a shortcut. Bow down, give a brother some props, and I'll give it to you. But here's the subtlety. By bowing down to the devil, he's acknowledging his rulership and reign over the planet and forfeiting our salvation. And so here's the challenge to us. You can live victoriously in Jesus Christ as you stay focused on the mission. Don't deviate from the plan. Here's the problem with many of us, and including myself. We get distracted. We are not pouring into the relationship with Jesus, nor are we focused on the mission of the kingdom. And it takes self-sacrifice. We don't want to die daily. We don't want to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow the master. You see, the kingdom is established by self-sacrifice. Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. It requires self-denial. You don't do it in your own strength. You depend on me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Now, the pastor is guilty. I told you, I'm a sinner saved by grace. 
One of the things that the devil does with me is he takes the very tools that God has given me to build the kingdom, good things, but he distracts me. Let me give you an example. Technology. There are days when I am working on preaching or some file or something using my laptop, but next thing you know, I find myself aimlessly scrolling through Facebook. Have you been there? What, a, what is this person doing? What else did Trump do? What? And you just keep scrolling and scrolling, and your mind is not on his plan, his biz, the purpose he's given you. Right? We're stewards of all that God has given us. And all the enemy needs us to do is to just get off, just be distracted just a little bit. Or you're just focused on maybe earning a living, but you're not engaged in the kingdom business through your local church. Oh yeah, I'm going to live the life is what we say, but God has called us to ministry within the body of Christ. That was, it's not a suggestion. But hopefully our, it's a response to the love of God. But all he needs us to do, just get off of the business of building the kingdom. You see, this wasn't the only time that he offered Jesus a crossless mission. Do you remember the time he was with Peter? Do you remember after Peter just pronounced him to be the Christ, the son of the living God? And then a little bit later, he begins to tell Peter, this is how I'm going to establish my kingdom. I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter pulls him aside and begins to rebuke the Messiah. And Jesus has to say to the one that's really motivating this, get thee behind me. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. You see, the devil, even with those that are coming to suggest what seems like good things, loving people, maybe even family and friends. Just get off of the will of God for your life. I love how Elizabeth Talbot says it. Hey, Tommy. She says it here, Elizabeth Talbot, in her book, Matthew, Prophecy Fulfilled. This was a temptation to bypass the cross. Israel had been tempted to find its own way and worship other gods. Then Jesus tells him, go, Satan. In other words, get lost in the original language. Jesus doesn't hesitate to unmask Satan what, 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 whenever he tempts him to bypass the cross. He even calls his friend, Peter, Satan when he tries to do the same thing. She continues. Because again, Jesus receives, again, a crossless temptation. Get off. This wasn't the only time he heard, if you are, type temptations. Did you notice when he was at the cross? From the crowd? From the Pharisees and priests? From the thief on the cross? Do you remember what was said to him? That if you are type statement? She says this. This is not the last time Jesus encountered those if you are type temptations. Even while hanging on the cross, he hears, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Matthew 27, 40. By now the reader is, is fully aware of the source of such temptations. It is the enemy. And Jesus knows that. Come here. You see, if we can get veered off of kingdom, see, this is a movement that God has raised up in these last days to fulfill a particular task. 
And all he needs in our little part of the globe is to get off track. That's all he needs. Just a little bit. As long as you're not doing what God has called each and every one here, including myself, to do. Get off task. Get off purpose. Get off kingdom business. If you are a child of God, act independently from him. Try to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And see, so here's my challenge to you and even myself. If there is anything keeping you from Christ or his mission, it is an idol. And we need to repent. Preacher included. Refocus on Jesus. That's why he says there, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. That includes the king of the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? And then all these other things that you're seeking after will be added as a byproduct. I'll give it to you because we're in relationship. And because you're going to use it to build a kingdom. I'll give it to you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek the king of the kingdom. I'll give it to you. Here's what I want to, here's what I want to share with you in conclusion. As our musicians are getting ready. This is not a message, a one, two, three step on how you in your own strength can gain victory over the devil. Can we in our own strength gain victory over Satan? No, we cannot. This is all in the context of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's what I want to share with you. This is the good news. When Jesus accomplished victory over the devil, remember I told you that he is the new Adam. He is the new representative of of the human race. You know, sometimes we, we, we talk as if we're still under the legacy of the first Adam. Right? Adam fell into sin. We've inherited the sinful nature. We're sold under sin. No, 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 no. If you are in Jesus Christ, you come under the legacy of the new Adam. You are victorious in Jesus Christ. The victory that he accomplished in the wilderness after 40 days, right? It is written. It is written. It is written three times. That victory has been applied to you. See, the life, the gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ credited on your behalf for salvation. Did you know that? We often talk about his death. Amen, praise God. He took my sin, he's my substitute, and he paid for it. But how many of you know that that death would not have been the death that was needed had he not lived the life that required... Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The life of Jesus, the perfect, spotless life of Jesus, has been gifted to you. Here's what I'm saying to you. You do not work for victory. You work from victory. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you may not feel victorious over temptation. But how many of you know that right now, before the throne room of God, we talk about in our faith community, living in the judgment hour, amen? The books are being up, the books are open, correct? How many of you know that if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are growing daily? He declared you righteous at the cross, and he is every day making you righteous as you stay in the relationship. How many of you know that as you're growing, you are considered victorious? 
That is justification. He has already justified you by his free grace. His gift on the cross, his perfect, spotless life, his victory over the devil has already been credited to you as if you got it. You were given the A as you entered the class. It's yours. It's now every day as you're in that course walking with Jesus. Oh, that's the good news. He, he comes into your life through the Holy Spirit and he begins to chip away. Oh, you got the A, but I got I to gotta deal with that addiction. I, oh, you got the A, but I got to deal with that attitude. Oh, you got the A, but oh, I got to get you into that consistent relationship with me. He's working with you while he's giving you the A. It's the grace of God. It's pardon and it's power. Receive it today. The reason that you can live victorious in Jesus Christ, family, if you're in Christ, it's because you already are victorious in Jesus. He declares you victorious while he's every day in the relationship making you victorious. It's the good news. It's the gospel. It's the primary thing we have been raised up to share with the world. Believe it and trust him. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.